Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome to another episode, episode 12, the final episode of 2018 of Mario's Minute. We have been doing this here, at least I guess I've been doing it. We've been doing this together. I've been making the videos, releasing them, or the podcast episodes here, and you all have been listening to them here for a year. Thank you for that. That has been absolutely appreciated. And this has been, you know, something fun to do, something therapeutic, something that I've very much enjoyed. So for anybody who is new to the channel or new to Mario's Minute, in case you do not know, this is a monthly podcast I do. I normally release it on the final Wednesday of every month. And what I do is I just talk about whatever the hell I want to. We'll talk about games a little bit. We might talk about some modding, but I'll just talk about anything. This is kind of just about an hour, hour and a half or so of whatever I want to discuss. The way I equated this is... Several years ago, I used to do gameplay commentaries when that was, you know, the big thing on YouTube. And with those, I would just, you know, talk about a topic for however long I wanted to take some gameplay footage, sync them up together and release that as a video, which those were essentially just little mini bite sized podcasts. So this is just going back to its roots. This is just the podcast without the gameplay visual. So hope you all enjoy it. Uh, this is available, I keep saying podcast, and it is available on most major podcasting platforms. I do need to get off my ass and put it up on one or two more. But either way, uh, it is available on most if you just want the audio, which that's going to be the priority on it. The video version, although you just get a cool visualizer, is available in full on YouTube. And YouTube is also where I check and reply to the comments and all that fun stuff. So uh, you all can check that out there. As for anything else I do, let's see. I do Mod Chat as well, which is a actual modding live stream podcast with my co-host, friend, and partner, Paranoid Coder, otherwise known as Devin, available in the same areas, and I also have, you know, plenty of videos I do on the channel. But you all might have known about that as well. That's just for the newcomers. For the oldcomers, I, I, first of all, thank you that you keep coming by and watching the other videos and listening to these episodes, and I've been doing this for a year, maybe not a year straight, but, you know, just a year off and on. I've been making the videos and episodes for a year straight. Uh, if you've missed a few episodes, it's all good. But I have a few things that I want to discuss. I have a nice list of topics here, and I'm feeling good, so let's get into this. First of all, this is... This is going to be the last video I work on this year. Now, I am recording this right before the holidays, and this is going to come out right after the holidays, just because that's how my schedule is working right now. Thankfully, I do have some time off. Hopefully, you all listening have at least some form of time off for the Christmas holiday here. And I'm specifically recording this on December 22nd. Now, I do have a few other videos coming out, so... Uh, you know what, I'm actually not even going to be spoiling those, because there is technically, let's see what today's is, the one that's supposed to come out. Uh, there is going to be, today I'm releasing the game, well, not game, the video, the only one that should have come out at this point will be the one where I go over all the games that I beat in 2018, so hopefully you all enjoy that. I have a couple more videos, normally I just have one more, but this time I have two more, so I'm not going to spoil that all too much. Come back and hopefully you'll enjoy those, but... All those videos are already done. My, my podcast, Mod Chat, is already done. This one I'm recording right now. So this is the last piece of content I'm going to be working on this year. It's interesting. And the reason why I'm doing it now is because uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to have, you know dedications and such to get to for the holiday season and I don't really want to rush this and put it all together and put it out and everything in one day which I certainly can do on Wednesday but I just don't feel like it so I'm like you know what I would rather just do this now and get it all done before anything is going to be happening and then work on it later you know all that fun stuff so that's at least me that's what I want to do all right <laughs> um but yeah one of the first topics, that actual topic I want to get into here, is the Nintendo Creators Program. Now, this affected all creators on YouTube. Is it, say, I'm going to say all with an asterisk at, asterisk at the end here. It's affected YouTubers, and uh, in short, you all might have noticed there's been several YouTubers over the past few years who kind of just don't really use first-party Nintendo gameplay footage 
And if they do, it's very, very limited, like a few seconds, like maybe five, ten seconds. And even if so, some of them you might even have heard or have them mention uh, jokes about, you know, not getting struck down by Nintendo or whatever. Well, that was also very real stuff, and they didn't. Nintendo didn't specifically do strike downs and takedowns, but I'm just going to explain how YouTube works here. So, let's say I upload this video here, for example. Uh, let's say I upload this podcast. I do the audio itself, and the entire video, I just have gameplay of Super Mario Sunshine playing on the GameCube. It's like an hour or so of me playing through this, and that's just it, and I'm adding my own spin on it to somewhat make fair use out of it i would it's kind of been regarded that gameplay commentaries can constitute under fair use which is how they were available Uh, as long as i don't sell it it's fine i can redistribute that video for free have it available to stream for you all and that's about it well what youtube has is something called the content id system and this is actually in place and it's it can be abused and it has been before But it's important to YouTube because this is actually what keeps them afloat. Without something like this, they had to implement it because YouTube did have copyright holders going after YouTube themselves. But with Content ID, this is what would happen. It normally will match up things to whatever people submit to the Content ID database, and what they submit is their copyrighted material. So I've noticed, for example, gameplay used to not really, used to be okay. It can be similar, but as long as I captured it myself, it was fine, but it was cutscenes. So let's say right now, I kept in a cutscene from Super Mario Sunshine. A lot of times that can be picked up, and that could be a little bit tricky. Sometimes, it ends up getting picked up by another copyright holder, which the copyright holder here would be someone who uploaded the same kind of video and submitted their video into the content ID database, and then we get a match. And those ones were normally pretty easy to dispute. I would dispute it and be like, yeah, this does not belong to this person. This belongs to Nintendo. And normally it would drop off pretty easily. Now, The other things that would happen could be Nintendo claiming it. And most of the time it was Nintendo of Japan. And that's the funny thing as well, too. With many of these companies, you, you would have Capcom of America and Capcom of Japan. Nintendo of America, Nintendo of Japan. Uh, Atlas of Japan, Atlas of America. And normally, the American companies were fine with it. It was almost always the Japanese companies and the Japanese divisions of the companies that would not be okay with it. I'm even thinking, I'm kind of going all over the place, but I'm even thinking like when Persona 5 came out and Atlas had come out, Atlas of America came out with a really long thing and had essentially said, hey, look, we'll let you play until the end of this point on stream or in your videos. And after that, you might be subject to a copyright strike. And they even mentioned something along the lines of, we respect what you all do and we encourage it, but our Japanese counterparts aren't too happy about it and we can't really see eye to eye. So I think it's just something that kind of needs to change a little bit, but either way, what could happen is here, Nintendo could then claim that video. Now, if they do claim that that cutscene there, I'm not just re-uploading the cutscene, I'm technically putting my own spin on this, whatever, so... I would personally want to dispute that, and most of the time it would be fine to dispute it, I would succeed in that. However, as of a few years ago, Nintendo ended up creating something called the Nintendo Creators Program. And what they essentially said was, hey, you know all of these Nintendo games, like you using Super Mario Sunshine as your Let's Play or just using it as background video? Yeah, we're going to be taking the money on that. So what they would do is they would then claim those videos, any footage they had, any sounds, any, because it's audio and visual content, but any audio visual content they found that could match up with something in their database, they would then claim. And even if you disputed it, they would deny that dispute. Now, you don't get a strike for using a, a copyrighted piece unless there is the actual copyright strike put into place, take it down. The video can still stay up if it has a content ID match, but this does mean, this is the important thing, this does mean that Nintendo could either choose to keep all the ad revenue running on it, or they could choose to take off the ad revenue. So that's why a lot of people did not do it, uh, myself included, because not only just, you know, the loss of ad revenue, but also... 
I just didn't agree with the system there. It is still under fair use. And on top of that, uh, if I'm not going to, if I'm, I don't like to run into content ID matches. I don't like to run into YouTube issues. All right. So if I have to use super, if I'm using Super Mario Sunshine gameplay, for example, and it's going to get me a content ID match, I could just as easily for this video probably use another third party, not first party Nintendo game and use that footage in its place and it'd be just fine. So just some things like that. One example of that when I made a conscious decision to do that was when I did the, uh, not GC video, but the HDMI cube, which uses GC video. It's a HDMI adapter for the GameCube that I ended up reviewing, and I used about seven or eight minutes of gameplay footage in that video. And I made the decision to not use first-party Nintendo games, because at the time, this was in effect. So that way, not only, you know, I could keep the ad revenue, not gonna lie on that, I could keep the ad revenue, but on top of that, I wasn't going to run into any content ID headaches. So it works out well enough. Now, when it comes down to this, Nintendo started saying, we're gonna claim all audiovisual stuff unless you join the creators, or the Nintendo creators program. So... The cut of ad revenue that you get, Google takes some of it already, but you never ever see that cut. You get the rest of it. So to you, you have a 100% thing, right? The way Nintendo worked was they would say, hey, if you want to submit individual videos, you keep 60% of the ad revenue and we keep the other 40%. Or if you wanted to partner your channel with Nintendo, so you would essentially go through the multi-channel network, which would be Nintendo, you could monetize your whole channel under Nintendo's umbrella for a 70-30 split, meaning that you keep 70% of the ad revenue, they keep 30%. As I understand, more people seem to do the visual, like the individual submissions, because Nintendo is also really picky about their stuff as well too. Like let's say you had 100 videos on your channel, and 90 of them promoted the Xbox or were about Xbox stuff, and 10 of them were about Nintendo games, Nintendo would probably not allow that channel to be partnered under their umbrella. You could submit those 10 videos individually, and then even so, they had guidelines for what the videos could be, which that's what I didn't like either. There was just so many guidelines with this, and they, they wanted to control the content as much as they could. But either way, what I'm saying here is that it was a bad deal. This is even around the time when networks like the one I'm a part of, Curse, this is what, around the time when multi-channel networks started offering 80, 85, 90%, like 90-10 splits and such, that you, that you would keep 90% of the ad revenue. Uh, my network, I have a 90-10 split with them, meaning that they just take 10% of what I make each month. So... This was not a good deal at all. This was like not original Nintendo, not not original multi-channel network stuff, but bad multi-channel network stuff. And from what I saw as well too, because a few creators in the creators program would occasionally share how much they made, they weren't even making that much money. Like, yeah, you know what? Now you can monetize your playthrough of Super Mario Sunshine, for example, or let's say I use the Super Mario Sunshine gameplay on here. But guess what? If the thing earns 10 cents in ad revenue, I keep 6 cents of that. Or if I'm partnered, if my whole channel is partnered through Nintendo, I keep 7 cents of it. So I think that's that's what's leading into. I, I kind of spoiled that a little bit, but what I'm saying here is it was a horrible program. I hated the precedence it, it set, and thankfully it failed because Nintendo recently, right before Smash Bros. Ultimate, and don't think that is a coincidence, but right before Smash Bros. Ultimate came out, Nintendo came out and said, we are going to be ending the Nintendo Creators program. We're not going to bring in any more people. If you are already a part of it, we will be releasing you by the end of this year. And these are our guidelines. And really, it was fair stuff. Essentially, the only things they said were, you cannot upload uncut content. So, for example, just a no-commentary, two-hour Let's Play of Super Mario Sunshine that would not fly. Nintendo would claim that. However, if I'm doing a two-hour Let's Play of Super Mario Sunshine and I'm talking over it, that is technically transformative enough to be okay, so they would not claim that. The other thing they mentioned as well, too, was that they don't want, they're not going to allow, uh, what is it, 
unreleased titles. That's it. So if they know you're, I think that would even really go into, I think it was kind of a mention of like, quote unquote, like illegal ways of playing the game and such. So if they can prove you have a pirated copy of the game you're playing, um, don't fully quote me on that. I know Nintendo has their own stringent policies and such on what they believe is legal and not legal for ROMs and emulation and backups and all that stuff. But I know for sure the thing that they did talk about was they said unreleased games. So that would be, for example, like Smash Bros. Ultimate, let's say, which this did happen because it leaked out, you get a copy of the game a week early. You're, it's not going to fly. You can't just upload that stuff already, even if it's transformative and it's, it's a let's play and everything. Uh, if you have a beta copy of Super Mario World and you're playing through that. That's not going to fly either. So they just want officially released retail titles to be in there, which I I find to be accept excuse me, acceptable enough. So when it comes down to it, it seems like we're kind of I was I I said, you know, hey, good job Nintendo, but you're kind of saying good job to something that really shouldn't have ever been an issue. But going back to it, I feel like the main reason why it failed was because they had to set up an infrastructure for this, they had to have employees available, they had to set aside money to open up and run and curate this Nintendo Partners program. And I'm willing to bet that they lost money on this. Because again, when I saw how much some creators were making whenever they would share it, it was barely anything. And that kind of leads me to believe one nice thing that uh, bigger like that you can get if you're a bigger channel or if you're in certain areas or if you have a good multi-channel network is sometimes they can get you better ad rates, better ad deals. And I kind of have a feeling that Nintendo partners and Nintendo creators probably didn't get very good ad rates if they were getting that low of numbers on there. So again, I'm willing to bet that Nintendo did this for a few years. I know they had people, they had partners, they had individual creators in there who were submitting their contents and were apply, uh, you know, going by all the guidelines and rules in that. But I'm sure Nintendo just looked at it and said, you know what? We are not making that much money off of here. We are actually losing money on this. And we have a game that is about to do gangbusters. And I'm sure, like, no doubt, I also have no doubt that this damn Nintendo Creators program really suppressed a lot of content that could have come out. I actually ran this by one of my best friends, Sean, friend of the channel. You all have seen him. He's been on an episode of Mario's Minute as well. And when I told him about that, he was excited, and he, and, and he, I would talk with him about YouTube stuff, even though he doesn't have a channel, even though he doesn't create content, so he has this understanding of it, and he even said, he's like, you know, that makes so much sense now, because there were several content creators that I really like, and they would start playing a first-party Nintendo game, and then like two or three episodes in, they would just quit, and they would make, you know, a separate video, or they would mention, somewhere they would say, hey, look, we really like this game, and we want to keep making this, but it just doesn't make financial sense for us to continue to record this, put effort into it, edit it, release it, and everything, and put it up on the channel, and make literally no money off of it, when we could do the same thing with other games and make money off that. It just doesn't make financial sense. So I think we're going to see a really large resurgence in uploads because even so there were games such as i think mario kart 8 for example you could clip things from there on the wii u and you could upload them to youtube and several people who weren't even partnered didn't like that because then they would get copyright claims from nintendo and that even though the copyright claim really does nothing aside from ensure you get no ad revenue off that it was scary to a lot of people who do who didn't know what it was so it's kind of this catch-22 of Nintendo would allow you, they had the infrastructure in place on their consoles, and they would allow you to clip and upload things onto YouTube, but then they would claim that, and people would get scared, so they wouldn't even want to do it. I know several people have said this as well, too, and I, I feel like I can echo this sentiment a little bit. I feel like Super Mario Maker also could have been so much bigger. Maybe not as big as Minecraft or anything, but it could have been a lot bigger if Nintendo did not have this creators program in place when the game came out. Because it was all community-based, it was building your own Mario levels, trying to beat them, sharing them, playing through others, and it was a well-done game. 
and unfortunately it there was barely any content for it on YouTube and there was nothing that was really dedicated to it because you know a lot of people didn't want to get those copyright notices from Nintendo like a content ID match and a lot of people such as myself just out of principle did not want to join that creators program so I don't think Nintendo can make back like they can't take that lost time back but they can absolutely capitalize on it now because they have a main console now with really good games on it and again it's not a coincidence that this change happened right before this change happened almost immediately before Smash Bros. Ultimate came out. So if you're seeing a huge flurry of Smash Bros. Ultimate content in your inbox or your sub box here, it's not only because the game just came out and people are excited about it, it's because people can now make content about it as long as it is transformative and it doesn't get any copyright matches on YouTube, which is great. So I'm really happy to see that fail. And if it succeeded, which that was what I was afraid of, we could have seen the same thing from other companies. Microsoft could have done it with their first-party games, which would have been like two. <laughs> uh, Sony could have done it. Activision could have done it. Bl Activision Blizzard, technically, they could have done it with their games. And that's what I was afraid of. I didn't want to see that with all these other publishers, but I'm happy that now we can hold Nintendo in a light and say, look at how big Nintendo is, and look at this creators program they did, and look at how hard it failed. We cannot do this. So I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm happy that they ended up changing. Oh man, I talked a, a lot more about that than I expected, but let's go back a little bit. This is not going to be a current event. This is actually going to be something... Just heard Lily bark. <laughs> this is going to be something that uh, was a memory from a while ago. So we're going to bounce back to 2010. All right, 2010, 2011. And this is not the person's name. This was his nickname, because I guess this was a part of, like, his online ID. But this is back when I worked at a local video game shop. So, there was this guy. His name was Leprechaun. That's that's what we called him. And that wasn't, of course, his legal name. That was his nickname. I never even knew what his first and last name were, to be honest. I just always knew him as Leprechaun. And he didn't pay with credit cards or debit cards. He always paid in cash, which you would expect from, you know... a 16 17 18 year old kid so makes sense but this is about the tale of his ps3 and he he was weird so first of all i i could tell he was you know he could keep up in conversation and all that stuff but you could also absolutely tell that he had some form of a mental disability um just with the way he talked the way he acted and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm kind of just putting that out. So if anybody ever questions, you know, the way he was working here and such, that no doubt could have been a little bit of the problem. But he was nice enough for the most part. Now, Leprechaun really wanted a PS3, right? He wanted one for a long time. He was saving up for it. And in the end, I don't even know if he ever got a PS3. But it's really funny because this dude... He had a PS3 controller, and he bought most of this stuff from us, but he bought a PlayStation 3 controller used. Uh, I remember, like, he got, like, $100 for his birthday. He got a controller, and he got one of those chat pads that hooks up to the PS3. Some of you all might know what I'm talking about. It was a an official peripheral from Sony where you connect it to the controller, and it was just a QWERTY keyboard that was attached to your controller. It was on top of the controller, so I didn't like it, and it didn't sell very well, so it was a bit hard to find. And this dude had one of them, and to this date, he is the only person I know, personally, that actually had one, which just throws me for a loop. And I found out as well, too, he had like 10 PS3 games. One of them, which he was obsessed with, was Call of Duty Black Ops. That's why I had to mention, you know, 2010 in here. He was so obsessed with this game that the day it came out, there was a deal where you could get it for $35. We told him about it. He went out. He got it. Everywhere he went, whenever he would come to the store, when he would go to his friend's houses, he brought his PS3 controller and his copy of Black Ops with him. Uh, what was it? Oh, his senior photos. Oh, my goodness, because I believe he was graduating. He had to have been graduating in 2011 then if that's when... Is that when Black Ops came out? Yeah, I think that's when it came out. Let me even double check here. I apologize for this uh, Call of Duty Black Ops. It came out when? This shouldn't be... Yeah, the official... The first one came out in 2010. 
So yeah, so he was graduating in 2011 then, if that's if that was the case. But for his senior photos, he ended up, he even had a headset. That was another thing. He had this headset. He ended up posing where he was like sitting like, like the main character, like on the cover of Black Ops, where he's like sitting hunched over and has the gun. Uh, he was sitting like that, except he was looking all serious. He had a PS3 headset on. He had his controller with him in his hands instead of a gun and kind of just like as a bit of an overlay on it. It was just like slightly transparent. It was the cover of Black Ops. Like this dude was obsessed with it. My goodness. And that caused some issues as well too, uh, which I'm going to get into that in kind of the second part of this story. But mind you, this kid spend so much money, and, and I don't think he really prioritized this stuff either, because I, I remember the first time I ever encountered him, he used to be a regular in the store, and we had a disc-only section where we sold games for about half off of their complete version, because it was only a disc, and we would just give you a paper sleeve to take home with it, and he was looking through one day, and there was a copy of Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess on the Wii, and he looked over at my manager, and there was a conversation that was kind of like this, he's like, hey, this game belongs to the library. Okay. Well, this game's not yours. Yeah, it is, because we had to buy it and we're selling it. Well, this game belongs to the library. It has a sticker on it. Okay. We're not going to return it to the library if that's what you're asking me. And he just stared at my manager. My manager just stared at him. And that was about it. And I think he looked around the store for a little bit more. And that was it. Uh, so that's the first time I ever encountered him. And then a few hours later, he came back and he was looking all excited and everything. And he was like, yeah, I'd like to buy the guide for Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. So I sold him the guidebook. And I was like, oh, you got the game? He's like, oh, no, not yet. I'm I'm working right now. Like I'm doing some chores around the house. And my mom gave me enough money to buy the guide. So I'm going to come back here when I have more money and I'm going to get the game. So this was the game that he shamed us for having because we weren't supposed to sell it. And look, that happened, all right? Now, our local library could sell games, but most of the time, if a library sticker game came in, it was because somebody ended up checking out the game from the library and sold it, all right? The same thing happens with, um, not Netflix, Redbox games and just other places. It's unfortunate, but it happens. So this kid had shamed us for having a library copy of the game, which we were reselling. And then he came back, excited as all hell, bought the guide first instead of the game. And then a few hours later, he made some more money, came back, and then bought the game. But even with that, I knew something was off because I'm just like, okay, well, the guide is 10 bucks, The game is 15 it, it, it was something similar to that. I was like, why wouldn't you just come in, buy the game first, so you make sure you have the game, and you could actually play it and have fun with it, and then, if you really decide you need it after making more money, you can come back and get the guide. You shouldn't come in here, get it first, and then get the game. On top of that as well, he could have held it. I mean, yeah, we did sell it to him. But there was also a point in time, because I ended up re-raging the disc-only game, so he actually freaked out because he thought it was sold, and I was like, no, 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 dude, it's in the front of the cabinet. And then he found it, and he felt better. But he could have held it. Like, I would have gladly held the game for him for a day. Normally, my, my policy was holding a game for a day or two, any type of media. Um, but that just kind of explains how he was. So, going back to this, this dude, and in the end... I don't know if he ever bought a PS3, which he could have gotten one from us, but I thought of it the other day. So we would sell our controllers for, let's say, $30, $40. I want to say they were like $40. So he bought a PS3 controller from us for $40. I remember that chap had he bought from us for $25 or $30. Let's say $30. For Black Ops, he ended up spending $30, $35 on that. So that's about $100 for a controller a chat pad, and a game, and then let's say for all the other games, he was spending around $20, $20 a disc on them, so that's $180 in additional games, so that's about $300 for a PS3 controller, a chat pad, and 10 games that he bought. I think he would just get money and blow it on something, and he would save up very short term, 
But for that amount of money, and he should have known this because he would come in so often, he could have easily saved up that money as opposed to spending it and come in and bought a PS3 with cables with a controller for like $200, $250 used from us. And then he could have started reacquiring money to get the games and all that. Now, some people, maybe if you're a collector, you might be saying, oh, what if they were good deals? They weren't good deals, all right? I understand, I understand this. Black Ops, I get it. It's a brand new game. You're excited about it. It comes out, it's $35, whatever, all right? I've been in this position before where there are, there's a console I know I'm going to get 100%. Like, for example, the Xbox 360, I knew I was going to get that system. I had saved up. I kept the money to the side. I knew I was going to get it. I, it was just a matter of when I was going to get it because I was waiting for the Elite version to show up at a store, like at Walmart specifically. So I was just waiting and waiting for that. If I found a good deal on a game and it wasn't cutting into my Xbox 360 budget, I would get it. Like, I bought Quake 4, for example, because it was like a $10 or $15 game, and I needed something for it. The Sega Master System, for example, there was a time where I ended up stumbling across a store that had quite a few set, uh, quite a few games that were in good condition, that were complete, and that were good deals. I bought several games knowing that I'm going to get a Sega Master System at one point in the future. I end up getting one a few weeks later. I bought it off eBay. So there's things like that I can understand. But this kid was just getting money, spending money, getting money, and then spending it immediately on something for the PS3. And it's like, I remember my coworkers and I, we talked about it. And we're like, dude, I mean, we're going to sell to this kid because he, he's a customer, mind you. But with the amount of money he spent on ps3 peripherals and ps3 games and that's not even including the headset i don't know how much he spent on that mind you the amount of money he could have spent on his controller and chat pad and headset and 10 games he could have easily spent that money on a complete ps3 system with a controller like that came included with a controller and gotten a few games with that as well i didn't get it i didn't get it. i don't know if you all have ever known anyone like this but that was crazy to me I have one more thing from him, though, where it started kind of like boiling over. So he used to come over and play Black Ops, and we would generally let him. But I remember there was one time, I, I ran into his mom a few times. She was very kind to me. There was one time I was running one of the stores by myself. And he came in, he talks to me a little bit, and I'm just like sitting down at the counter, and he pops Black Ops down the counter. And, I'm, and he's like, hey, can I play this? I'm like, eh, okay, sure, I don't, I don't mind. And there would be times I would cut him off, like, if he was just sitting there playing for, you know, over an hour, I would cut him off generally at that point. But what ended up happening was he came in, he had his controller, he had his Black Ops, he asked me if I could, if he could play it, I said, sure. So I popped it in, so he's sitting, like, leaning over on the counter, looking at the TV that we had there, playing Black Ops on our PS3, and then his mom comes in, I say hi to her, she says hi to me and smiles, and she got really close to him and was talking to him about something. And he was just like half ignoring her. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Just kind of doing one of those numbers, right? Not really caring, just like being as annoyed by his mom as like a 17-year-old could be. So his mom left. And about five minutes later, she ended up opening the door and she was yelling at him. Like she opened up the store door and was yelling at him. She's like, hey, are you coming or not? Are you coming? So he ended up, like, she was yelling at him. I think she was yelling his name. He ends up pausing the game, turns around, and asks, what? And she's like, are you coming or not? I told you to finish up your game and get out here. And he looked at her for about five or ten seconds, turned around, unpaused the game, and kept playing. And she just looked at him. You could tell she was so angry. And she just said, wrong move, buster, and closed the door. And I assumed she left. So I went over to him. I'm like, Dude, is that, like, is that your mom? He's like, yeah, yeah, that was my mom. I'm like, what What did she want? And he wasn't really answering me. And I said, dude, like, did she want you to, it sounded like, I only heard one part of the conversation, but it sounded like she wanted you to get off here so you could leave. So I even asked, you know, if, I think at one point he even, you know, looked for his mom and she wasn't there. And I just told him like, dude, your mom's not happy with you. Uh, you should stop gaming. I'm going to give you back your disc. You need to leave like now and go back home. So he did. 
But I remember I ended up telling my other coworkers that. They thought it was hilarious. I told my boss that. He thought it was funny. And my boss ended up putting a rule in hand. He was just like, hey, you know what? Um, no one let Leprechaun play Black Ops. Like, if he comes and he wants to play a game, no one do that. Because I, I don't want to upset his mom. And I don't want that in my store. I don't want that drama. And I was like, okay, cool. However, whenever my boss would be working, he would allow Leprechaun to play. And I asked him about it. I was like, oh, why do you do that? And he said, well, I don't know. I, I feel bad for him. You know, he comes in. He doesn't have much to do. So I let him play when I'm at the store, but you all don't need to let him play. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. Like, if, if you see fit, whatever, that's okay. <laughs> but that's the story of Leprechaun. I don't think I've ever told it on here. But let me know if you all have known anyone like that ever. Let's talk about some free stuff. Let's talk about some free stuff. Why not? Because everybody likes free stuff. So I have another story. This is from somewhat recently. There were quite a few games that came out that I picked up within the same time frame. So within like a week, I ended up picking up the PlayStation Classic, which that's been fun to mess around with. I got Hellblade on PS4. I got Persona 3, Persona 5 Dancing on PS4. And there were like one or two other... Oh, I think that same week did Smash Bros come out? Yes, it did. If I remember correctly, let me see. Sorry, I just have to look this up here. Uh, yes, it did. So if I remember correctly, the same week, Monday, the PlayStation Classic came out. Tuesday, Hellblade Physical and uh, like the physical edition of it and Persona came out. And then Friday, Ultimate came out. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I, while I still have my GCU, my Gamers Club Unlocked membership, I still pick up my games from Best Buy. And for these ones, I had done in-store pickups for them. So Monday, I go, I pick up my PlayStation Classic, I take it home. I've done videos on that. Hopefully you all have seen it. I've done three videos on it. I've had a lot of fun with that. Tuesday, I went in and I picked up my copy of Hellblade and Persona. And it was funny because when I got them, the, the lady who was there ended up scanning Hellblade, and no issue. And then she ended up scanning Persona, and it beeped kind of strange to her. So she kind of looked at her screen and was just like, what? And I told her, like, is there an issue here? Because I'm, I'm of age. Because that's what I was thinking. Maybe it was mad because it said, hey, you need to make sure this person is a, a, of age 17 or higher to pick up this game. And she's like, no, there's no issue. Um, It says that the game is not ready for you to pick up but i know that's not true because i have it here in my hand and it has your name on it you know what i'm just gonna give it to you anyways so i said okay cool so she ended up giving me both games she bagged them i noticed on the receipt though that i got it only had hellblade on there and then what ended up happening was I didn't notice this until I think two days later, because it was on Tuesday. So on Thursday, I got an email saying, hey, you still have to pick up your Persona 3 and 5. If you don't pick them up by this date, we're going to end up canceling your order. And I looked at that and said, wait a minute. Oh, wow. There was some kind of disconnect with their system, wasn't there? So the funny thing is then, on Friday, I had to go back to the same store. I got my copies of Smash Bros. I end up getting two, funny enough. Um, that was another interesting story, which I, I can tell here real quick, too. I end up getting the special edition of Smash Bros. Ultimate, which, in my opinion, is garbage compared to the special edition that Europe got. You all got a big box. It looked real beautiful. You all got some awesome peripherals. We just got, you know, a, a thick-looking box with a Steelbook edition in there, which I'm not crazy about the Steelbook, and a special edition Pro Controller, which... I didn't need a pro controller, but I decided to get it anyways. And mine came with a Smash Bros. coin, like a commemorative coin, which Best Buy and other places tend to do sometimes. I got one for Odyssey last year. I got one for Smash Bros. this year. Anyways, I ended up pre-ordering two copies of the Ultimate Collector's Edition because I got one for me, one for my brothers. And there was a mother with her kid there. And when they end up pulling them from the in-store pickup area, she just freaked out. She's like, wait, wait, where did you get that? Where did you get that? And my thought was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, lady. Hold on. I, I paid for this. I This is mine. So she asked me where I got it from. And I said, oh, I pre-ordered it like several, several, several months ago. So apparently what was going on was her kid wanted the collector's edition of it. And they did not look for it until the day Smash came out. 
and online. You could not order it. It was really hard to pre-order in places, and they just never pre-ordered it, but they were hoping that there would be a copy available. And she even thought, I could tell that she thought that maybe there was some shenanigans between me and Best Buy, and they even told her, and I verified. I told her too. We all said like, no, they didn't hold this copy for me. They're not hiding any copies of it here. Any copies of Smash Bros. Ultimate collector's edition have been pre-ordered and need to be picked up there are no non-pre-order copies available here in the store so she was disappointed by that i let her know though i just said hey i wish you luck but i pre-ordered both these copies um yeah there's not too much we can do so her and her kid end up leaving as i was picking up my copy then when they were registering everything they end up asking me they said hey you uh you still have to pick up Persona 3 and 5 on PS4? And I told them, no, I already picked them up from you guys. And they just said, oh, okay, uh, here's a copy of Smash Bros. Have a nice day. So they didn't question it. <laughs> Lo and behold, a few days later, I ended up getting a notification that my order was canceled. And a few days after that, I got my money back, but I still have Smash, like I still have my Persona. So somehow, because of this glitch with them processing my order but not fully processing it, I ended up getting a free copy of Persona 3 and 5 on the PS4. So you can't beat a free game. It works out well enough. And to anybody who might be shaming me for it, look, one, I'm not a fan of Best Buy. I really don't like them that much. They've done me dirty before in the past. They've annoyed me so much. So morally, I don't care about it all too much with Best Buy. But two... I gave them the opportunities and I even straight up let them know that I picked it up from them and they didn't do anything to remedy it. So they could have even looked in their system and seen that it was scanned and such. I gave them the heads up a few days later. Again, I came in, I said, Hey, I picked this up already from you all and they didn't correct the issue. So that's generally what I try and do. If I get something like that for free from a store, I'll at least sometimes try to remedy it and sometimes they'll say oh thank you yeah we'll take that back and other times if, if they don't fix it i'm just like well i tried um but i can only help you so much as you want to help yourselves like i'll help you but if you don't want me to help you then uh, eh, eh, you know so i got those for free which is cool funny enough with the mom and uh, her kid right after that we end up going to gamestop and i had some good luck there thankfully I ended up getting, uh, the same day, because these came out the same day, uh, Katamari Damacy re-roll, and it's a GameStop exclusive if you want to pick it up physically, unfortunately, which is why I had to go there for it, mind you, but what ended up happening with the Katamari game was I went there, I see the same mom and her kid, and I was like, oh, hey, it's nice to see you again, so I asked them at GameStop if they have any copies of Katamari on the Switch. And they said, yeah, we do, but they're only for pre-orders, so we can't sell them to you, unfortunately. Because I didn't see it on the shelf, and it was the day the game came out. So I asked them if there were other any others in the area, and if they could check the inventory. And when I asked that, for some reason that kind of sparked something. And one of the employees was like, hold on, open up that drawer. Um, it says we have three copies. How many copies of Katamari are on hold? And they looked in there, and they're like, oh, we have two pre-order copies. And they, then they looked at me, they're like, hey, you're in luck, actually. We can sell you this. Because what happened was, it will show, which I don't like this system, unfortunately. But essentially, if, let's say, with this game, with Katamari, let's say five people pre-order the game at GameStop, at, at one specific store, and this GameStop gets in five copies of Katamari... It will technically on their website and on their distribution list show that this store has it in stock and they have five copies available. But if you get there, they cannot sell you any of those because those five copies are for pre-orders. So they only keep the copies for the pre-orders and any excess they have, they can sell to the general public. But somehow they end up messing up the math here. So they were able to sell me the only extra copy they had, which I was very happy with. I told them, thank you, I appreciated it. They are very appreciative of it as well. But the reason why I bring up this mom and her kid again is because I saw them there. And the mom, I think she wanted to try and buy this off me. But she asked me, like, hey, so you got two copies of that Smash, right? Why do you need two of them? And I told her, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am, it's not for sale. One of them is for me, which I'm going to play. The other one's for my brothers. And she's like, oh, I get it. I understand. I said, yeah, 
yeah, I, I mean, I get it. Like if I was a scalper, sure, I'd want to sell it to you, but no, I'm not selling this. I'm spending my own money and then spending more money to send it over. So this, this is not even for me. This is for the family. And then in the end, uh, her son just decided, you know what, if we can't get the collector's edition, I still want the game. So she even offered to buy him the physical one. He's like, oh, I don't want it. I'll just, I'm just going to get it digitally. <laughs> I think he probably really wanted the controller. That's what it was. Uh, but for whatever reason, yeah. It, it was disappointing that they weren't, this didn't happen at Best Buy. Because if they were at Best Buy, I would have offered like, hey, you know, you all can just use my GCU membership and I can save you 12 bucks, but... That's not the case there, unfortunately. So yeah, end up getting some luck there. Was able to get two copies of that game, and I was also able to get a free game. So all in all, I'd say that was a good pickup week. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I have one more thing I want to talk about. Now I had mentioned the PlayStation Classic, and it's been fun to mess with. It's a cool looking system. I love how you know they got the look of it pretty accurate you get the two controllers with it and mind you sony messed up quite a bit with it as well too i have a full review talking about that but i wanted to kind of bring this up so it's a hundred dollars you get 20 games you get two controllers but you don't even get an ac adapter so you have to get a separate ac adapter a lot of people say and this is just for any type of retro thing everyone yells and seems to say get a raspberry pi it's only 35 dollars and I have set up RetroPie on the Raspberry Pi, which is what they're talking about. The Raspberry Pi itself is not a emulation-only device. It's not a game system. It is a single-board computer. So the whole thing, it's, it's essentially a motherboard, I guess you can say. It is a motherboard, and then you can do whatever you want to with it. One of the things you could do is you could install RetroPie onto a SD card and pop that into the system and then set it up on there so you turn your little single-board computer into a cool little emulation station. Literally, that's what it is. The front end is called Emulation Station, which is also cool. But messing with the RetroPie, well, excuse me, messing with the PlayStation Classic so much made me hungry for pies. So I actually decided to take one of my Raspberry Pis, which wasn't doing all too much. I decided to nuke the SD card on there, reinstall RetroPie, fully update it, and then start putting my own games on there, my own collection in my own way. And I very much enjoyed it. I have a ton of PS1 games on there. I've actually been ripping the PS1 games from my own personal collection from the discs and then I just sent them over like through FTP onto the Pi so that way I have them off the SD card and it works very well. I've been quite happy with it and I've never been disappointed with it I would say. It's just I never really took the time to put a whole bunch of effort into customizing it the way I wanted to and getting it set up the way I wanted it set up with my own library that I would actually play. And when I did that, like I, I got to do my own hands-on version, I very much enjoyed it. So I've really been rocking with the Retro Pie now. But one thing I kind of ranted a little bit about is a lot of people try to pass this off as the ultimate, it's $35, that's it, it's $35, it's $35. And remember about a minute or two ago, I said that it's essentially just a motherboard? That's, it's just... I get a little frustrated by it because it's just kind of unfair to label it like that. To get your ideal RetroPie, or let, I'm using RetroPie in this example, let's say you want to get that setup going. You need to get the computer, which is the, the Raspberry Pi. Then you need to get storage for it. Then you need to get a case for it. And it's definitely recommended that you get a case with fans and heat spreaders and all that stuff, so you need to get the extra parts. Then if you don't have an HDMI cable, you need to get an HDMI cable. If you don't have a power supply, you need to get a power supply. Uh, if you have a bad power supply, one that doesn't put out that much power, you need to actually get a good one that's highly recommended to do so. If you don't have a keyboard, which anyone should have one laying around, you're definitely going to need one to do some light configuration. You'll absolutely need some good USB controllers if you don't have any spare ones that you could use for this. Uh, make sure you have a screen, of course, available as well, too. Really, when it comes right down to it, to get the the ideal Raspberry Pi, like retro Pi solution, you would be spending about $100, $150 on that. Something along those lines. 
And I just think that is what people should really focus on. They should say, yeah, the end product, you know, it cost me about $150 because I got this nice case with fan with, with heat spreaders and it has two fans on there. I had to get the power supply. I end up getting a 128 gigabyte micro SD card. And then I end up buying like wireless Bluetooth dongles for my controllers. So I have my PS3, PS4 controllers hooked up. That's how it should be looked at and should be marketed in my opinion, because I feel like just putting it out and saying, yeah, you know, you could do everything on a retro pie and, and people also refer to it as a retro pie, which it's a raspberry pie, <laughs> but people will say, Hey, you could do everything on a retro pie for only $35. I'm going to tell you, man, you're not going to get that far because that doesn't include a power supply. That doesn't even include a piece of storage. So you're going to need a micro SD card. And a lot of people also assume that people have all this stuff around. And I'll say like looking around here, I have keyboards available. I have controllers available. Maybe not controllers I want to use explicitly only for the Pi. So I would actually buy others, but I have controllers available. I have a few micro SD cards, but I would definitely want to get a upgraded one. One which I just don't have lying around on my desk. Um, a case I would have to get a case and then even the power supplies yeah it's just micro USB and you can just grab something but if you just grab a generic if you just grab a generic USB to power adapter you're probably not going to have the best experience you're not going to power your Pi right so you should spend 10 or 15 dollars to get a good you know powerful power supply that you can plug into this system is what i'm saying so some of this stuff even i have lying around others i don't and for my ideal setup i'm going to want to spend a little bit more but the way i told one of my friends i said that is about the same as me saying why don't you just instead of getting a uh, a playstation classic for example instead of getting a playstation classic why don't you just buy a computer my computer only cost me 120 dollars now, granted, my computer also has a i7-26, well, not 26, my computer has a i7-6700K, and it has a GTX 1080 Ti, and it has, you know, a couple SSDs in there, and multiple hard drives with multiple terabytes on them. So how the hell does my computer cost $120? Well, the motherboard cost $120. <laughs> cost something along those lines that that's still that is me making the same comparison going around telling everyone and saying yeah my computer only cost 120 bucks why don't you just get a pc it's so much better and cheaper my computer plays every single game at ultra resolution and can do 4k and all that and it only cost me 120 dollars no it didn't it absolutely did not. The motherboard itself cost me 120 bucks, and the motherboard, you're not going to get too far with it if you only have a motherboard, and that's the exact same thing with the Raspberry Pi here. You're only paying $35 for a motherboard, and that's it. Sometimes they do go on sale, though. Sometimes they go on sale for about $30, which you can save, hey, five bucks, that works out. But I just think it's better if people market the actual like overall price of their setup instead of just saying, oh yeah, the RetroPie will do everything you need and it's only $35. No, you're going to spend a lot more than $35 on your setup, okay? Rant over on that. <laughs> I'd still recommend picking up a Raspberry Pi. I'd still recommend trying out RetroPie. That's absolutely awesome. I have very much enjoyed it. But it is not a pay $35 one time and be set for life solution. No, you're going to be putting in more money. And I'll, I'll even say to that as well too, um, that's when some systems like, I would say for their price point and soon enough the PlayStation Classic, th that's when they help out. Uh, the Super Nintendo Classic costs $80. The Nintendo Classic costs $60. And the PlayStation Classic right now as I'm recording this is on sale for $70. So again, when I say, you know, you're talking about those systems which you buy everything and you have almost everything you need in the box, in this case with the PlayStation Classic, you have almost everything you need in the box for $70 versus, you know, going through the effort of building th something yourself, setting it up and everything, and in the end with your build spending about maybe $100, $100 let's say $100 on your, you know, retro pie setup, it's good to see, it's easy to see, you know, what might steer people towards what a lot of people would rather just have a raspberry pi with retro pi set up for them already but you can't really do that uh, i guess legally you can't really do that so that's why the classic systems end up appealing but yeah be truthful about your spending all right be truthful my goodness
Now, I have one more thing I want to talk about here. One more topic, at least. I think I might, you know, ramble near the end here. But I always talk, in these episodes, I always talk about what games I'm playing. And one of the games that I ended up playing and finishing and very much enjoyed was Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. It was cute. It was really fun. It was the exact game I was wanting to play at that moment in time. And I just started playing Smash recently. Like, I just started it a few days ago because I did not want to begin Smash. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to start playing Smash or any other game before I finished Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. One, because of the challenge I've been doing where I want to beat at least a game a month every year, which I have been able to do this year officially now with Pokemon. But also the other thing with it too is I wanted to... Man, I'm almost losing my train of thought here. (laughs) That's what happens when I just talk and talk and talk and talk. Um... But no, I I didn't want to just do a bunch of game hopping. I was so close to the end of Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu as well, where I said, you know what, I'm just going to power through this. It's all good. I can power through this, enjoy the game, and then I can play whatever the hell I want to after that. But I have a really bad habit of game hopping, and I didn't really want to do it for this one. But I have it down, and my overall opinion on it, it was a good game. Like, yeah, it's very casual. Yeah, it definitely holds your hand. Yeah, it could be better. Uh... But I still very much enjoyed it. And you know what? If I enjoyed the game, I I, I think it works out well enough. <laughs> uh, I have been playing Ultimate, which that's been fun. I'm actually, right now while I'm recording this, not literally right now because I'm not playing it at the moment. But while I'm recording this, I've been working on unlocking all the characters, which I didn't even know that there was, I think Jason Schreier from Kotaku ended up complaining some people were complaining that it was way too hard to unlock the characters which there is an unlock trick where essentially you go in you play a match or two of smash you exit you get the challenger awaits you beat the challenger and then you close out the game reopen it and that's what i've been doing now it's taken me a little longer i've spent a few hours playing the game and have i think 61 62 characters out of the 76 unlocked because I have been uh, playing through World of Light. Because I'm not good at Smash. See, that's my problem. I'm not good at Smash. So I wanted to play the game and enjoy it and progress and learn how it's played while unlocking the characters, but I wanted to do it in an expedited rate. So you know what? I'm not going to unlock all the characters within an hour and a half, two hours, but I'm definitely going to learn the game while unlocking characters at a rate faster than the game is going to organically give them to me, which works out quite well, at least in my opinion. So that's been fun. Speaking of Katamari, I did play Katamari Damacy Reroll, which is so good. I have thoroughly enjoyed that on Switch. So if you can pick it up, I'd recommend it. I believe it is $30. So it's still sold as a budget title, thankfully. This is one of those games that it just kind of came out of nowhere on the PS2. And it was a budget title back then when games were six were $50. They were selling this brand new out the gate for 20 bucks. So I remember picking it up for 20. So that was a fun time. I ended up getting, uh, then this was 30. So I'm happy that they sell that that for, for a budget is what I'm saying. But I just don't like that it's only physically available at GameStop. That's the annoying thing. I don't like going to GameStop, you all. I truly do not like it. With the Retro Pie, then, uh, with my setup here, I also started playing through Parasite Eve on that. And that's been really fun to play through. Now I'm actually giving it a proper playthrough. The first one I never really got into, it was Parasite Eve 2 that I got into a lot more. But now I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe I should actually revisit it and give it a shot. And it is awesome. And it is just, it is deliciously unsettling. And my goodness, do I love it. My goodness. <laughs> that's almost like, would it be safe to to call it Squaresoft's PS, like, the, the PS1 era Squaresoft version of Resident Evil, I almost feel like that's like their version of Resident Evil in a way. Because that's what I was comparing it to at least. Except it came out of, you know, Squaresoft's front. Now Square Enix, but it came from Squaresoft as opposed to Capcom. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyways, that's about all I can think of in terms of topics here. I've gone over all the stuff I wanted to. I guess the last thing I want to save this for for the outro is I want to thank you all for sure for tuning in, listening, watching, subscribing to the channel, hanging out with me, coming in on live streams or not, interacting wherever it was. Because, man, I'm going to have I will have a separate thank you video where I go into a bit more detail, but I just kind of want to brush over it here. 
this year has been awesome. This year has been the best year for the channel ever. And it's been such an anomaly, the numbers I've been doing. And granted, look, I'm not the biggest channel out there. Some people don't think I deserve <laughs> all, all the subs I have, which I'll say, hey, you're right. Some people also don't think that I have enough subscribers. To them, I'll say I have way more than I could have ever imagined. Uh, right now, I think I have just over 86,000 subscribers while I'm recording this, but it's absolutely been incredible seeing the growth of this and even having, you know, a first viral video for the channel as well, too. And granted, let's say you pull up my so my channel on Social Blade and look at the stats. Yeah, I had a big spike at the beginning of the year, and it's been going down and down and down. But even now, the average that I get for the channel, the average view time, the average subscriber gain, the average watch time, uh, watch time, view time, the average views themselves, they're higher than they were in previous years, and they're higher than I would have imagined. And my my average, that's what I care about, my average has gone up. But it's been cool. It's been crazy. I just, I, I want to really say thank you and anyone who comments, especially like I'm, I'm saying because I'm not, I'm not shaming. I just have to say I'm not shaming the silent majority and I'm not trying to say anything bad about them, but it's just, I don't see you. I don't know who you all are. So it's a bit harder to thank you all if, if you're watching and listening, but I don't know who you are. But the people who do make their voices known, who do comment and everything, uh, you all, I can say, definitely make the channel more fun because there, there's interaction there. When I don't get comments and such, it's boring. Man, it's so boring. And when I do get comments, that's when, you know, there's lively discussions to be had and all that. That's when there's new viewpoints introduced. That's when, you know, the channel becomes more of a community and it's really awesome to see that. Man. Thank you, everyone. It's been awesome. I don't think twenty eight. I don't think twenty nineteen is going to be as much of an explosive year as twenty eighteen was, uh, but it's certainly cool to see the progress that we made in twenty eighteen, which I never expected. Never, 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 ever. And one thing is too with this, by the way, that this podcast. I've been doing it for a year now. I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to continue next year because I like doing it. It's fun for me. It's therapeutic. And even if it gets only, you know, five, six hundred subscribe not views on YouTube, that's really what I would expect from it. From a podcast that doesn't have any video on here, that's kind of just general about certain topics, that's really more personal on a channel that focuses on, you know, technology and gaming and all that. That's fine. Cause I'm I'm gonna get my views on other videos, on actual videos that I do. If I get, you know, a few hundred vi views or like a thousand views on this thing, I'm totally happy with that. I am totally happy. So I think others, there's been some people who've like poked at, you know, the view count and everything. Look to you. Yeah, you might think that this is weak for me. I'm just amazed that anybody's wanting to listen. <laughs> so I think I just have my, not my tolerance, but what can I say? My threshold, my expectation is much, much lower than many other people would put on themselves on here. And I think that's actually because of all the years of very slow growth, very poor watch time and all that stuff where, you know, I would have a channel with like 10,000 subscribers and I'm barely getting like one or 200 views a video. I think I just, I was in that mode for so long that it really humbled me. So now if I get a video where it has, let's say this might be poor to people, but you know, this channel has almost 90,000 subscribers. If I upload a video and it gets a thousand views, people will be like, ha ha, you only got a thousand views on this video and you have so many subscribers. I'm like, dude, holy shit. I got a thousand views on this video. This is crazy. I didn't think this was going to get more than like 20. So I think I'm still in that mindset, which for me helps out for me, it does. And you know what? It's fine. I think it goes into the content as well, too, because um, I do content that I want to make. I release the content that I want to. I do the content for the enjoyment of it. And yeah, you know, I get I get a paycheck from this, but I don't explicitly make videos that I don't want to just to get the views. The videos that I do make are videos that I really wanted to make. I enjoyed making them. I enjoyed putting them up. It's things that I'm passionate about. And if it's a paid hobby, then that's awesome. That is fantastic. Oh, man. Anyways, until next year, everyone, this, is, this has been awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening, and watching Mario's Minute, for checking out the rest of the channel as well. Thank you for uh, a year of pretty much what I expected here, probably even a good amount more. 
the, ch- the the podcast is still going to be going on next year. It's still going to be in the same avenues and all that. And once I ramp up, I'm going to put it on some more places. So you'll be able to find it in even more spots. That's about it. Anyways, let me know what you all did for Christmas because now the holidays passed. So hopefully your Christmas, if you do celebrate, was good. Uh, as someone who was raised Muslim for several years, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> and please, everyone, stay safe for New Year. For, uh, for 2019. And that's going to be the keyword as well too. Sorry if I rambled too long on this. But if you made it to the very end. Use the number 2019 in your comment on YouTube. If you want to tell me what your plans are for 2019. What your 2019 resolution is. What you're looking forward to in 2019. What you want to leave in 2018 before going into 2019. Uh, even if you just want to type in 2019 and leave that as a comment. I will know that you made it to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening and watching everyone. And until next year, hope you all had a great holiday. Hope you all had a great Christmas and may you all have a awesome new year and stay safe this new year as well. That's going to be important because I want you all back here next year. All right. Stay safe.